Hey, this is John Jameson. If this is the first time you've joined us on the podcast, thank you and welcome. We really appreciate it. Let us know your aha moments and while you're at it, we'd like you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. The Altcoin Sidekick podcast is available on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and Stitcher. So please leave a review and don't be scared of making it five stars. We'll keep the great content coming to help you on your journey into the cryptocurrency markets. Inversely proportional to consumer demand in cryptocurrencies is government fear. Except they don't call it that, they call it regulation. Remarkably absent in recent months, fear-based cryptocurrency news is making a comeback. This is John Jameson for AltcoinSidekick.com and this week let's talk about the internet and data and ask, could blockchain-driven systems benefit if public data harvested from the internet is weaponized? Russia's largest bank, Spurbank, has halted cryptocurrency-related plans because of the negative bias coming from Russia's central bank. India is proposing harsh penalties, including lengthy jail time, for anyone caught dealing in cryptocurrencies. And Hong Kong's securities regulator is expressing concerns over the lack of regulation for dealing with fraud involving cryptocurrencies. Step 1. The Setup in Machine Gun Preacher, we discussed what motivates societal change and government reactions to it. And today, more than ever, the news dished out to the general public is dumbed down, simplified and nearly useless. Unless, of course, you are what Aldous Huxley described in A Brave New World as an epsilon semi-moron. Add into the mix the problem of fake news and all of a sudden you have a problem. And it's not just mainstream media. It's getting harder to find out stuff. Uh, the search engine rankings are dominated by articles titled Three Ways to Do X or Seven Things to Avoid If You Do Y and comment and quote articles endlessly rehashing press releases over and over. Same news said in different ways by content spam. The public is more confused than ever. Recently, The Guardian published an article where, according to research by the, pre, uh, by the Pew Research Center, almost 70% of Americans feel fake news and misinformation have significantly affected their confidence in government institutions. It's clearly a problem. Now, the only question is, has it been engineered? Step two, the reaction. The government reaction is typically to form committees and wheel in the big guns that produce and write reports, and that's precisely what they've done. But despite nearly 500-page reports and committees set up in the US and UK, and Facebook and Google being hauled up in front of official panels, nothing has been done. So you might be asking, what's all this got to do with cryptocurrencies? Well, in an, era, in an era dominated by fake news, in an age where the general public is rapidly losing faith in their government, and in an environment of rising populist thinking, something needs to be done. A solution needs to be found. And that leads us to step three, the solution. Also known as the internet they always wanted. In the beginning, in the 1950s, the concept of connecting computers in physically different locations across a so-called wide area network was developed by computer scientists in the US, the UK and France. Then, in the early 1960s, the US Department of Defense started awarding contracts for the ARPANET project. Now, the first message sent over ARPANET was in 1969. 
and during the 1970s, work on ARPANET continued, leading to the, to the development of rules for how computers communicate with each other over wide area networks. And these rules or protocols became known as the Internet Protocol Suite, or TCP IP for short. In the 1980s, the NSF, the US National Science Foundation, funded the connecting of supercomputing centers at university sites. And by the mid-1980s, the NSFNet project connected supercomputer sites from research and education organizations as well. In the late 1980s, commercial internet service providers began to appear, giving limited access to new services like email. But unrestricted access to the network was not yet available to the general public. Now, all this changed in March 1991 when the NSFNet changed their usage policy to allow for commercial traffic. Then, boom. With the last restriction to government uh, to commercial access gone, ISPs were springing up everywhere. Now, because of the cryptocurrency demographic, there's a chance you weren't old enough to care in 1991, and maybe you weren't even born. But if you were, as an outsider, an ordinary member of the public, you almost certainly would not have understood at the time the implications of the NSF unrestricted access. Someone did, though, and that someone was Tim Berners-Lee. Now, originally, Berners-Lee's idea was to have scientists share information from any node connected to the network. But others saw the, quickly saw the commercial viability of the hypertext document browser-based system that we all now take for granted. Now, considering the value of commercial companies today, like Google, Facebook and Amazon, who together in 2019 have a value of over 2.1 trillion US dollars, Berners-Lee gave the world the internet we use today away for nothing. Nada, nil, zero. He gave it away for free. Now, governments are reactive and not proactive, and by the time they realised the potential, the genie was out of the bottle. And Berners-Lee's philosophy was to give away a tool that would serve humanity. But now, 30 years later, he's on record as saying that we have to be concerned about what's being built on top of the internet. Now, what Berners-Lee saw as serving humanity has, in his own words, become almost anti-human. And the internet has become centralised, with Google, Amazon and Facebook owning almost all the traffic. Uh, controlling what we read and see, manipulating the masses to such an extent that could, if pushed to the limits, even place democracy at risk. Now, in March 2018, The Guardian exposed the British data mining company Cambridge Analytica, who used data from 87 million Facebook users without their permission, using data that was originally harvested from a specific app user base of just 270,000. You, in other words, democracy is at risk from data manipulation, and that's a problem. That's the setup. The reaction is the focus you see in the media in bringing the centralized behemoths of the internet to heel. The solution is the internet that governments always wanted. Decentralized infrastructure with centralized control. Their control. In 1905, when Albert Einstein came up with his special theory of relativity, he theorised that a large amount of energy could be released from a small amount of matter. Now, Einstein was a lifelong pacifist, and he's on record as saying that, as saying that the possibility of an atomic bomb never entered his mind, and that he never even thought about it. Now, irony plays no small part in human history, and Einstein, a pacifist who gave the world his special theory to aid mankind, is indirectly responsible for creating the most, or arguably, the most destructive weapon we have ever developed, and that's the atomic bomb. So in 2019, half of the world's population is online, posting, sharing, tweeting, clicking. Data gathered from likes, views, uploaded resumes and clicks are being complemented in, and will be in the future 
from data from iris scans, fingerprints, facial impressions, and even DNA. So ask yourself, how is all this data going to be managed? In 30 years, the internet has been given away. What was intended as a decentralized platform to serve and empower us, a democratic system that has no central power to ask permission of, has been given away by the general population who didn't, and still for the majority, do not understand how and what is going on behind their Facebook and Google accounts. The general public has created, through their own ignorance, a centralized system where the many are controlled by the few, like Caesar throwing bread and wineskins at the crowd as a pacifier at public games, today's tech giants have platforms and apps. Facebook and Google, in 2019, control over 75% of all internet traffic. And back in 2012, Facebook conducted psychological experiments on 700,000 users. Apologizing two years later, the company said the experiments were, quote, poorly communicated. One way to build a picture of what's coming next is to spend some time viewing patent databases, searching for clues and hints on the future direction of a company, product or service. For example, Google and Amazon have both published patents for features related to their smart speaker products, Amazon Echo and Google Home. Swirling around in the same primordial soup as blockchains and the internet is 5G and AI. For now, only a rough outline of what will become tomorrow's standards is identifiable. The patents filed by both Google and Amazon hint at a future where AI can detect via a device like the Echo or home speaker when you're coming down with the flu or in even more serious illness. And it's not just early diagnosis. The new features of tomorrow's products will also be able to use AI to manage the medication, even seamlessly ordering the correct drug and dosage. The onset of Alzheimer's could be detected by subtle changes in your voice and advanced warnings of heart disease could be identifiable from changes in your skin tone. Everything from diabetes to high blood pressure, all controlled and managed by a smart device. Benefit, benefit, benefit. What's not to like? But few consider the cost. And it's not just centralized control from companies like Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft. In 2001, President Bush signed an executive order giving the NSA, the US National Security Agency, permission to initiate a domestic spying program. In January 2019, the US Senate voted on a bill to allow the continued mass surveillance of the public. So the interplay behind upcoming technologies is at first glance impossible to predict. And while 100% guarantees are not available, it is possible to use techniques like Bayes' theorem and game theory to compute a likelihood. In the Smart Dust series of articles, podcasts, and videos, we talked exactly about how to do that. So the advantages of likelihoods over probabilities is that they're not bounded between zero and 100. Likelihoods are useful because using them allows you to compare two states, a previous state and the previous state with new information added. To demonstrate the use of likelihoods, let's use a simple coin toss and ask, what's the probability of getting six heads and four tails in 10 tosses with a fair coin that has a, pro that has a probability of heads equal to 50%? Since this is a binomial problem, we can use Pascal's triangle to obtain the probability. And in this case, it's 21%. But let's say some new information becomes known. And because of it, you adjust the bias of the coin from fair or 50% to 75% heads. Next, asking the same question, except all you're doing this time is replacing the 50% bias with the 75% bias, is to say, 
What is the probability of getting six heads and four tails in 10 tosses where the probability of heads is 75%? Well, the answer in this case is 15%. Now the likelihood ratio is the quotient of 21% divided by 15%, and in this case that's 1.4, and this means the result is 40% more probable under a fair coin hypothesis than under an unfair coin hypothesis. And comparing likelihood ratios is the basis of Bayes' theorem. Bayes' theorem, game theory, and complexity theory are the tools used by the 5%, the most consistent group of, uh, of investors and speculators to help them quantify their investment ideas. Like Einstein, whose special theory was supposed to benefit humanity, has Tim Berners-Lee's ideology been bent out of shape and turned into a weapon even more powerful than the atomic bomb? While that might sound a little far-fetched, as more and more data is gathered, the danger of it being used as a weapon increases. Mini True, Mini Packs, Mini Love, Mini Plenty, or Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Apple. Let's talk about probability enhancers. Yes, the internet has become centralized, and yes, the data gathered has been given away for free and has accelerated the centralization problem as more than half of the global population is connected to the internet. But is the game up for companies harvesting data using some might say reckless and even devious methods? Well, the days of easy, low-effort data harvesting are coming to an end. And from now on, the companies that dominate our digital lives are going to have to come up with even more ingenious methods to get hold of our data. Amazon's Alexa and Google's Home are only the beginning. They are the Altair 8000 of what's coming next. In previous articles, podcasts, and videos, we discussed Gartner, they're a research consultancy company who specialize in tracking the probability of the emergence of new technology using their hype cycle model. But there's another thing you can do and another place to start. When you're guesstimating probabilities, one thing you can do is to ask who's motivated to support your idea. As an example, take healthcare. Is the current infrastructure able to cope with an increasing age demographic? Can the government afford it with the current levels of debt? And what's in it for the healthcare providers? How are they going to profit from it? And if you do a little research, you'll find that the opacity will decrease. So again, what's this got to do with cryptocurrencies and blockchains? As more and more people come online, as the data gathered by the big tech giants get, gets even more granular, the amount of data held is going to go parabolic over the next few years, and according to an independent data corporation report sponsored by Seagate, data growth is going to increase from 33 zettabytes in early 2019 to 175 zettabytes in 2075. That's a 71% growth rate over the next six years, and all this data has got to be stored. Blockchains are databases, and while there are many different blockchains powered by different types of algorithms, the most common are proof-of-work and proof of stake. There are plenty of articles out there explaining that blockchains, whilst having an advantage over traditional databases in some areas, like the centralized cost of security, have no particular advantage when it comes to the storage of data. And that point of view is good for now, and that's because why? Well, because if they did, if the potential or the true potential was seen, POS blockchain algorithms that power cryptocurrencies would not be selling for pennies they'd be selling for an awful lot more. Now, when looking for long-term investment ideas in cryptocurrencies and in the blockchain's ecosphere, remember the internet of tomorrow, driven by the problems of today, will be always on, always tracking, always monitoring, always listening, and always watching. Why? Because it will always be learning about you. 
This is John Jameson for altcointykick.com, and I'll see you next time. Hey, this is John Jameson. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you've got a lot out of it. Don't forget to rate us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Your review will help spread the word and allow us to create more thought-provoking content for you, covering all things crypto, not just the individual coins and tokens, but the societal trends and motivations behind the rollout of blockchain technology. The internet is being re-engineered and not one in 100,000 realizes it's happening. Welcome to the revolution.